Well, it's great to be together with family and friends. If you're with us from out of town, welcome. Uh, it's always great over the holiday weekends. You get a chance to see people journeying from afar. And uh, there's a few people I wanted to give a special welcome to. First of all, from our Dallas ministry with Mark and Connie Mancini, we have Deneardra Jackson in town with us. I'd like to have her stand. There she is. Great to have you here. Send our love back to Dallas and Mark and Connie. Also want to welcome up from the Turning Point Ministry, Alicia Bunn, who's here. Uh, she's worshiping God this morning with her new boyfriend, James Williams. Yeah. Uh, then also want to give a special welcome to a family that means a lot to our ministry here. Longtime members in Santa Clarita. They currently live in Fort Myers, Florida, but we're hoping for uh, different things. But anyway, I want to welcome Richard and Claire Harrison and their children that are in town. Have them stand on up. Oh, yeah. Welcome. Holidays are a good time. Lots of good food. Uh, I only ate one zone perfect bar over the holidays. And I did eat dessert. There were some good ones. But today we're going to talk about breaking news. And I want to talk about the gospel. And I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 10. And Paul is talking about living by faith. And he's talking about being saved, and he says something really amazing in Romans 10, verse 14. He says, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, the word gospel literally means good news. Sometimes it just says good news in the Bible. Sometimes it says gospel. But that phrase is in there a lot. And, you know, there's something about news. And you can go to the next slide. You know, when, when there's breaking news... You get this who, what, when, there, how, why, what's going on, you know, and a lot of times it'll come where you're living life, you're watching a sporting event or something else, and all of a sudden the screen changes and you get this news flash, breaking news. And most of the time when it's that big of a deal, you stop and you want to connect with what's going on. And you ask yourself questions, hey, how, how relevant is this? You know, not all news uh, matters to you in the same way. I remember one of the trips that Cheryl and I took to Russia, and we're in some restaurant, and they had a TV, and they're, they're showing forest fires. And, and then all of a sudden it says, Santa Clarita, California. So here we are in Moscow, Russia, eating, and on the screen you see Santa Clarita, California. 
Santa Clarita does not typically make the news when you're in Russia. And so, you know, you, you pause what you're doing and you want to see what's going on. And then, you know, you start texting back. Hey, is everybody okay? Has anybody been evacuated? What's going on? And unfortunately, we've had that kind of breaking news. Here there's fires, the Woolsey fire. And then you want to know, which way are the winds blowing? Because fires right over one mountain top is not that far away, depending on what the wind's doing. Well, it's that expression that Paul used and that God used to describe what's going on. And you think about that. There are a lot of different phrases that could have been used. It could have been called a debate. The good debate. And here's all the different facts, and here's the parameters of the arguments. You know, it could have said, hey, we're going to present the good truth. You say, well, what is it about truth? Well, if, if you have the truth, then the message becomes about all the facts that I have that you don't have. But primarily the message comes is news. It's something that all of a sudden interrupts your life and you're like, wait, what's going on? What's the story? What does it mean for me? And a good news story always encourages you, hey, stay tuned. Because, you know, a big breaking news story is not something that happened six months ago. You ever done that? Like you Google Santa Clarita fires and then it pulls up a website and you look at the date and I was like, oh, that was last year. No, I want to know what's going on now. You see, that's that's that idea of news of what God is doing around us is happening all the time. It enters into our life and then says, hey, stay tuned because something good is happening. And so that's the term. For the message. Now, that's going to be important for us because what, what's our role? Well, that brings us to point number one. We need to share what we've seen and heard. And go over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So this is a time after Jesus has raised from the dead. He hasn't yet gone up to heaven. And he appears to his disciples. And in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, they say... Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. So this fits the concept of news. It fits right into what our role is. What does Jesus say we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be witnesses. Not debaters. Not arguers. Not bringers of truth. Although all those components are in there, but what Jesus says is we're to be witnesses of what? What you've seen and what you've heard. See, Jesus says, you're witnesses of the news. 
You're witnesses of the gospel. It's all around you. You're immersed in it. And so what you're supposed to do is just go and tell people what you've seen and what you've heard. A little bit later in Acts chapter 4. In verse 13, they heal a lame man, and it says in verse 13, then they're brought before the Sanhedrin to testify about what they were a part of. Well, the Sanhedrin says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing with them, there was nothing they could say, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in the name of Jesus. Then they called them in again, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So you've got this great story where Peter and James uh, heal this man. And then they get brought before the Jewish authorities. And they're like, hey, we've got this dilemma here because kind of everybody realizes the news. So we can't deny that. So what we just want to tell them, since we can't deny what's going on, we just want to tell them, hey, just shh. Just don't say anything. Quit telling people about what happened. Now, isn't that amazing? So they're actually saying, we agree with the story. We just don't want you to tell anyone. And Peter's like, ah, no, judge for yourself. We're going to obey God rather than you. We can't help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. You know, Peter and John, they were like, hey, listen, we can't help ourselves. Because when you've seen what I've seen, you've got to tell somebody. You know, I remember when, when our kids were little, there would be various conversations in the way home from school. Now, if the question was just, how is school? We usually heard something boring. That was a typical thing to which I said, well, that's why they call it school and not playtime. You're not there for your personal entertainment. You're supposed to learn. That never went over, but I always said it. Uh, but sometimes we'd ask a different question. And maybe it was this. Hey, did anything really good or really bad happen at school today? And so then, of course, having two sons, I had to be comfortable with the fact that sometimes 
it was just a middle-of-the-road day, and there wasn't really anything spectacular in a good way or a bad way. But every once in a while, it'd be like, ah, yeah. And what followed was something amazing, either good or bad. You know, that's kind of the way the gospel is. The gospel isn't so much this ho-hum story. You're reporting the spectacular. You're talking about the things that are so amazing, you can't help but share about it. You say, well, what happens if I stop paying attention to the amazing around me? Well, then the world asks you, hey, how's your gospel going? And our silence communicates a message, boring. Oh, your Christianity is boring? Oh. You see, when we lose touch with what God is doing, we don't have an answer. The cameras are rolling. And we don't know what to say. I remember the the church went to a Dodger game uh, when we were down in the San Fernando Valley. And, um, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the pitcher's name, but he was Korean. And he had a really amazing, uh, uh, Chan Ho Park, that's who it was. He had a really amazing game. He had like 12 strikeouts. He hit a double. And we're up in the nosebleed sections. And all of a sudden, a Korean TV station points a camera at me and a reporter puts a microphone in me and says, do you know Chan Ho Park? And I said, well, I don't know him, but I know who he is. And he goes, great. Can we interview you? I'm like, okay. And so I said, Anyang, Haseo. And they go, oh, no, we'll do it in English. And I go, good, because that's the only Korean I know. See, I hadn't yet been fully immersed in Korean barbecue, or I could have given him some really good food names. Yeah. So, but all of a sudden, you look at this camera, and I'm kind of laughing internally while they're interviewing me about his performance in the game. And I laugh, and I go, does this say, like, Ron Hammer, baseball analyst, on the little tagline on the TV station? But anyway, so I winged it. I did my best, you know, Vin Scully, and, uh, you know, I thought it did pretty well. But the world is interviewing you all day, every day. See, you don't know it, and they're not always going to tell you, but they are. There's cameras reporting on your life, your Christianity, all day, every day. You know, I already mentioned this, but Josue had the video cameras rolling on Mike Montano's life 15 years ago at Canyon High. It's like, oh, Mike made this life transformation. That's breaking news. You see, there were murmurings at Canyon High. I don't know what's going on, but he's going to some new church. So it was just some gospel. It was just this news story about a life with Mike Montano. The story didn't make its full impact to Josue until 15 years later. But each one of us 
has cameras rolling. And if you think back to your moments where you started studying the Bible, where you're evaluating what you wanted to do, oh, you had your cameras rolling, and you were looking at the lives of the people that you were getting to know or maybe had known for years or decades. Because you know what you wanted to know? What's this breaking story all about? See, because if the answer is boring, my life's busy. If all this is is just something else to do that doesn't really matter, why spend my time doing that? But if the report's coming back, this is incredible. Then you go, oh, I need to tune in. So the question Peter would ask you is, can you help speaking about what you've seen and heard? You know, one of the, the things to me that's interesting about this story is how the Sanhedrin were like, okay, the facts of the story, I mean, it is pretty spectacular. We can't deny that and the people are all fired up. Just don't tell anyone. You see, when God does his work, it's undeniable. But what's Satan trying to get us to do? Tell anyone. You see, your life is a testimony to the good news. Your life is a new story. You know, every once in a while, it's just really good to imagine things like, how would your life have turned out if you hadn't chosen this path? You know, for Cheryl and I, we've now, uh, just this week, we've now been in the north region for 25 years. You know, we were in the San Fernando Valley, and then we've been up here for 13 and a half years. So the North Region, 25 years. Been a Christian for over 30 years. Yeah, at the marriage retreat. Yeah, you think about marriage. And I go, wow, I'm so grateful that I became a Christian. I'm so grateful for the kids I have, for the daughter-in-law I have, for the grandson that I have. You know, all those things, that's just not a given. You see, because there are choices. There were, there were choices that were made over three decades that contributed to who I am today. And the same thing is true in your life. Are you telling anyone about it? See, Peter's like, man, it's so amazing. I can't help but telling people about what's going on. We need to have that same level of passion. It comes when you're in touch with what God has done. Which brings me to the final point, point number two. The gospel is personal. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul 
Paul says this, starting in verse 2. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. What I want you to focus on is one particular word. It comes right before gospel. And it's not the gospel. Paul says it's our gospel. It's my gospel. It's the one that I own. It's my good news. You see, it reads different if I just say, hey, you know, it's the gospel. Then if I say, man, I'm sharing with you my gospel. And what's Paul say about his gospel? He goes, it came with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You say, well, how can he say that? Because it's his story. Where are you convinced of the power and deep conviction and the work of the Spirit when it's your story? You say, what gospel do you preach? Is it just a gospel? The gospel? Or is it your gospel? You see, when, when you make the gospel yours, there's so much power in what you share. Because your life is a powerful sermon. It's a powerful story that interrupts the people around you. And you might even hear somebody say, I don't really know all that's going on in your life, but I know that you're totally different than you were before. What's going on? You see, that's what happens when you share your gospel. Ultimately, it's the only gospel that really matters to you. It's the gospel that you speak of when you made the confession, Jesus is my Lord. It was personal. So what do we do? Well, the gospel needs to register. There's a lot of news. And in some cases, we've gotten dull to what God is doing in our own life. You know, the great victories are certainly hallmark moments. But just like Jesus' disciples, sometimes the victory is that you're standing firm. You know, they were in a boat and there was a furious storm going up and they were just holding their own. They weren't cranking across the water at 50 miles an hour. But the victory is they didn't quit. They hung in there. Sometimes the greatest news story of, hey, Life was tough. And I stood firm. 
and I didn't give away any ground. I showed courage in the face of opposition. I didn't cave in. I didn't do what I felt like doing. I denied myself. You know what? Those are incredible stories of victory of what God is doing in your life and in your character. And that all forms your gospel. You see, Jesus said a message in Acts chapter 1. It's a message we need to hear loud and clear. Like, they're all excited. Hey, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I mean, we're just so fired up about that. And he goes, let me tell you what you need to worry about. You just go and witness. In Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What you've seen and what you've heard. That message is for you. That message is for me. Go and witness. What do we tell? Well, we tell the story of our gospel. Whether we're in high school, whether we're in college, in the workplace, in our neighborhood, amongst your family, witness to the good news of what God has done in your life. You know, Thanksgiving always reminds us to be grateful, and certainly gratitude and thankfulness is something that should be just a normal part of our, our Christian life, our reflection, our, our prayer life. But yet when we're in touch with what we have to be thankful for, we're registering the good news. We're registering the gospel. Because the world is interviewing you all day, every day. And what they want to know is what, when, why, how. Is it worthwhile? We want a message that's far more powerful than boring. Share the spectacular. Share the meaningful. The meaningful to you. And so as we take the Lord's Supper together, certainly the life we have would not be possible without Jesus' death and resurrection. And as we're uh, taking the bread and the fruit of the vine with grateful hearts, make it personal. Reflect on the good news of your life. Reflect on the gospel and make a commitment to go and be a witness to the world around of the breaking news that's going on in your life. Let's bow together and pray, and we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Amen. Thank you. Father, uh, there's so much good news that goes on in each one of our lives, uh, even in the midst of hard times. Uh, you've worked miracles in our life. And yet we know the good news uh, didn't arrive on the scene without a, a price to be paid. And we are thankful uh, for the way paved by your son Jesus, his death and resurrection, and just the door of opportunity that it opened for our lives. We want to be faithful witnesses to you, uh, to the good news that's going on in our life. Father, give us uh, courage. Help us to have that same conviction that Peter displayed before the Sanhedrin where he just says, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And as we connect with that in a personal way at this time, Help us to be faithful witnesses of the message. 
We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.